On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to him, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, thank you for this story that you told. We just pray that as we look at it very briefly this morning, that you'll really encourage us and challenge us through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, can you just have a look at the screen for a minute? Particularly if you're younger, because I will need your help. Can somebody tell me who this is? Peppa Pig. Who's this? Go and put your hand up before you shout out. Dory. Who's this? Elsa. Who are these? Minions, yeah. Who's that? The BFG. Now, here's a bit of a tougher question. What do these all have in common? Hold on, hold on, let me come down here. They're all characters. Things. They're all characters. Are they real? No. None of them are real, are they? They are all stories. Stories can sometimes be long. They can sometimes be short. I want you to watch the screen because there's a very short story going to appear on the screen. And it's from one of my favorite shows of all time, and it's the Mr. Men show. And in this particular clip, we've got Mr. Rude and Mr. Pernickety talking about toothbrushes. So watch the screen for a minute. Clean Teeth is a reliable toothbrush, but with so many types of toothbrushes to choose from, picking the right one isn't easy. No, that one is too hard. Hmm. What about this one? Bah, they have the nerve to call that a toothbrush? Mr. Rude! That is my name. Now go away. I am busy. You cannot put a brand new toothbrush into your mouth and then put it back on the shelf. It's unclean. How else am I supposed to know what toothbrush I want to buy? 
It doesn't work that way. You need to buy a toothbrush before you can try it. I have never heard of anything so ridiculous. <laughs> Give me that! Mr. Rude, I am going to have to ask you to pay for all these toothbrushes you've used. Why should I pay for a toothbrush that I do not like? Because it's the rules. Let me see these rules. <clears throat> Well, it's not printed anywhere, but I assure you, this kind of behavior is unacceptable. Fantastic. Go and watch the Mr. Men this afternoon. It is brilliant. Two things that were going on in there. It's a story. Never happened. If you go into a supermarket, you will not sadly find Mr. Rude testing toothbrushes, or hopefully anybody else for that matter. It's a story. You can't start asking, what was Mr. Rude feeling when he tried those toothbrushes? Because it's a story. The second thing, did you notice about Mr. Pernickety talking about rules? There are no rules written anywhere that say you can't try toothbrushes out. But we just don't do it, do we? There are just things that we don't do because they're outside of the rules. So as we come to this story of the Good Samaritan, I want you to think, remember two things. One is it's a story. It never happened. It is a story. Jesus made it up. The second thing is to hold in your brain about rules. We'll come back to that in a minute. Jesus was the most amazing storyteller. He would use things that were funny. He would use exaggeration. He would use characters that just became larger than life to get a point across that became really significant. And in this story, he tells what is probably the most famous of all of them. And there's a reason he tells it. An expert in the law, somebody who thought he knew all there was to know about what God wanted, asked him a question. If you've got your Bible in front of you, have a look at it. It's verse 25. It's a very strange question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, that is actually a bit of a trick question. It's designed to tie Jesus up in knots. When I was at school, which is actually quite a long time ago, we used to have a geography teacher. And this geography teacher was really easy to wind up. And we weren't a very good class. And what we used to do was we used to deliberately ask him questions that we knew would wind him up, just to get him annoyed. I don't suppose any of you ever do things like that, do you? But we used to. And he used to get wound up, and then we'd all get told off. We didn't ask questions because we wanted to know decent answers. We ask them for very different reasons. The expert in the law does not really want to know what Jesus has got to say. He's just trying to catch him out. Look what he asks. What must I do? You know, that part is fair enough, isn't it? You can always ask, what must I do in a situation? But then he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You don't need to do anything to inherit things. You know, I've inherited things from time to time from people who've passed away and they've left me something in their will. I've not had to do anything. It just happens. It's their decision, not my decision. The teacher of the law knows that actually it's only God who can give eternal life. But he mixes it all up and asks this most ridiculous question. What does Jesus do? Well, he does what is always a good thing to do. He turns it round on the man himself and says, well, how do you answer it? How would you answer your own question. The teacher of the law gives a good answer. 
Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, we'll do this and you will live. But the expert in the law isn't happy. You know, he wants some definitions around who the neighbor is. He's like Mr. Pernickety. He wants to know what the rules are. You know, is the neighbor the person who lives next door to you? Is it the person on your street? Is it the person in your town? Is it your nation? Is it everybody? Let's put some definitions around and make it easier. And so we get to the story. Remember, it's a story. It's not real. We can't start asking questions about what was the Samaritan feeling. Well, he wasn't feeling anything because it's a story. We can't start asking questions about what was the priest thinking. But what we can ask questions about is what did Jesus' hearers think when these people were mentioned? What was brought into their minds? So here we go. Let's zoom through this story. A man is on his way down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Has anyone walked a long walk this summer? Who's walked a walk that's been longer than 10 miles? 15 miles? 20 miles? Go on, Julian, how far did you walk? 14 miles. Anyone beat 14 miles? Okay. Not in one day. Okay, 18 in one day. That's actually slightly longer than this route. The route from Jerusalem to Jericho is 17 miles, and it's down almost 3,500 feet. That's like climbing Snowdon downwards, okay? Over 17 miles. So it's like walking from here to Stockport, going downhill on that road. Anyone fancy that this afternoon? No? It's not a nice journey. It's not a particularly nice way to go. And so this man is walking down there. We don't know anything about him. We don't know if he's a Jew, a Gentile, a Roman. We don't know anything about him. Jesus just doesn't tell us. But what we do know is he gets beaten up. He gets beaten up on this road, and he gets left for dead. Everything is taken from him. Verse 31, the priest walks by. The priest is another expert in the law. He's another person who should know what to do. He should know that he's got to care for this man. But he doesn't. And then next, a Levite works, walks past. If the priest is like a bishop, the Levite is like a vicar. Okay, It's like the hierarchy of the temple. It was like a junior sort of priest. Same things happen. They go past. Last summer, we were on holiday. And we were walking um, around by this beach. And we walked around this corner, and just in front of Claire, this woman tripped up on the curb and went smack down on the pavement, really hurt her face. There were loads of people around, but you know what most people did? They didn't. They didn't help her. Sorry, they? No? No? What people did is sort of hung around, watching from a distance, but not getting involved. Why don't people get involved when you have to help somebody? Well, you can be sued. Yeah, that's everyone thing. <laughs> I wonder whether sometimes it's just that it's an awful lot of hassle. Because the minute you start to help somebody, you think, actually, I've got to ring for an ambulance. I've then got to sit with them. I may need to ring their friends and family, tell them they've been hurt. And it ends up with a lot of stuff that you've got to do. For the priest and Levite, 
There's a possibility that what Jesus was suggesting was that actually they just could not be bothered to help. If they touched this man, if this man wasn't a Jew, they would have to go back to the temple to get ceremonially clean again. If he was dead, it would be even worse. But whatever happened, the likelihood is they would have to go back to Jerusalem, get clean again, and then come all the way back down again. It could be an extra 20 miles of walking. A load of hassle. A load of hassle. And they just cannot be bothered. Who enjoyed watching the Olympics? Yeah, lots of us. I'll tell you one thing I really like is when you get an unlikely hero in the Olympics. You know when somebody who is not expected to win, wins. And there were two that I watched in parts of the Olympics where totally unexpected people actually won. One was, um, I think it was a 58-year-old horse jumper. And I think he just looked so surprised that he'd won. He was the oldest person to win um, from this country since 1908. What an achievement, you know, to do that. The other was a trampoliner who had no idea that she was going to get a medal. And I think she got silver. And, you know, you saw me bouncing on the trampoline a few weeks back when Darren kindly put pictures of me up there. But I'm not going to enter the Olympics as a trampoliner. But this girl, she could do things. She could spin around and do all this kind of stuff. And she won silver. And she couldn't even put a sentence together. She was so shocked at what had happened. She was like the unlikely hero. And so we get the hero in this story. The Samaritan. Darren has already said that, you know, Jews hated Samaritans. And it was deep, deep hatred. They would walk round Samaria rather than go through it, the Jews. They wouldn't speak to people who were Samaritans. They thought they'd got their beliefs in God all wrong. It was a really awful relationship between the two people. But verse 34, look what happens. The Samaritan goes over. He pours oil on his wounds to soothe the injuries. He puts wine on as an antiseptic. He wraps him up in bandages. He puts him on his donkey and he takes him to the inn. And now we get the last character coming in in this story. The innkeeper. Often missed out, I think. Who's ever been to a pantomime? Quite a few of us. You know, the last time I went to a pantomime, it was Ken Dodd in about 1985, and he looked really old then, and then I saw this week, he's doing a pantomime this year. I don't know how old he is, but anyway, it's beside the point. What you get in pantomimes, you always get a pantomime villain, don't you? You get the person who comes on the scene, and everyone goes, boo. Go on, you do that a bit louder. There we go. The innkeeper is really the pantomime villain of this story. That's how Jesus' hearers would have heard about the innkeeper. Because in Jesus' day, innkeepers were famous and not for good reasons. Innkeepers were renowned. What they would do is if you stayed at their, their inn for the night, they would probably charge you double. They would then charge you for all kinds of unexpected charges. So you would end up spending far more than you thought you would. And it was the law that if you couldn't pay, you became a slave of the innkeeper. Think about that next time you go to a travel lodge. (laughs) But that's how it was. The innkeeper was seen as the villain. But look what happens. The Samaritan takes the man to the inn. He leaves him there. He gives him two gold coins, two denarii. That would be enough to pay for him to be there for a month. A month. Who's been away for a month this summer? Anyone? Yeah, the few of us. A few of us have had really nice long holidays over the summer. 
It's quite expensive, isn't it, though, going away? We went away for a week, and that was actually quite expensive. You think how much it would cost, even in the most basic accommodation, to stay somewhere for a month. I priced it up yesterday when I was looking at this. Even in a youth hostel, it would cost you £500. This man doesn't know anything about this man who's um, been injured. But he pays for his accommodation for a month. A massive amount of money. And what he then does is he leaves an open tab and says, look, if there's any additional expenses, and he knows the innkeeper could make it all up, he says, I'll pay that as well. Just imagine that kind of generosity. He will pay whatever is needed. The Samaritan shows absolutely no concern for his own money, his own safety, his future well-being. His only concern is for the man who's been injured. That is his only concern in this story. So Jesus asked the question to the expert in the law. Who is the neighbor? Who is the one who acted in that way? But the expert can't even bring himself to say, well, it's the Samaritan. So what does he say? He says, the one who had mercy on him. What does Jesus say? Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Behave like this. So what is this story all about? What's it all about? We've already looked at one thing that it's about, and it is about being like this with other people. About getting those dirty gloves out and about actually helping people, loving people, showing people God's love at all times and in all places. It's going to test your memory. Don't look at the Bible. But what was the original question about that the expert in the law asked? We've got some good answers coming from over here. Anywhere else? Anyone answer me? What was the original question about? What can we do to inherit eternal life? I think actually this parable is about answering that question as well. If you want to earn your way to God, if you want to fulfill the law, then by all means, go ahead and do it. But it looks like this. In every single situation, with every person that you meet, no matter what the cost to yourself, just keep on doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. And so what Jesus does is he sets up the expert in the law, with a totally impossible scenario. You think you can do this time and time and time again? Well, you'll run out of money very soon. But could you live in that kind of way? It's easy to overlook that as we read this story. But, you know, we don't come to God through what we do. We don't try and earn our way to God. We come to God. We sung this morning about amazing grace. We come to God because of what Jesus has done. We come through faith by grace. But you see, the problem is not that we shouldn't be the good Samaritan. It says in Romans 7 verse 12, so then the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. It's not that being the good Samaritan is is an issue. The problem is we can't do it over and over and over again. We will never earn our way to God. We can never be good enough in that kind of way. So as we start a new term, can I just remind us that our faith is based on grace. It's not based on what we do. It's based on what Jesus has done for us. Over the next three weeks, we're going to start looking at a a small sermon series on worship and what it means to worship God together. And one of the main things about that is it is all about him. It's not 
about us. If today you're sat here and you're still thinking, you know, I'm not good enough to follow Jesus. I can't do all these kind of things. Can I just encourage you again to remember, it's all about what Jesus has done for you. It's all about grace. It's about approaching God in faith. But there's something else here. What Jesus set the expert in the law to do was still right. That is how Jesus still calls us to live. But it's not for the reasons the expert in the law thought about it. It's not so we earn our way to God, but it's in a response to what God has done. You know, as a church, as we go into this new term, as we start to keep unpacking our vision and what our church's goal as a mission is, as we get into this rock conversation, let's be loving people. Let's work out what it means to display God's love to people who we meet, to our friends, to our neighbors. You know, and that is everybody. That is everybody. You know, I've said it before. The early church grew rapidly. One of the reasons was because of the love that they had for each other. But it went beyond that. They loved those who had nothing. They loved those who were in prison. They loved those who were orphaned, those who were widowed. It just went on and on, loving and loving and loving. If we do that, people will see Jesus in us. So just think this week, Darren's already asked this question. What can you do to be that good Samaritan? What can you do to show God's love in a practical way to somebody? What is your dirty glove this morning? Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you that we come to you not through anything that we can do, but through what you've done for us. I just want to pray that this morning as we go into this new term, that you'll help all that we are to be firmly rooted in your grace. Thank you that you died on the cross for our sins. Thank you that we can know you as our saviour because of that, not because of what we do. But Lord, you still call us to be those people who love without cost, who love unconditionally. And Lord, I pray that as a church we will put that into practice. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen.